Hello, I'm Alice Arnold. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. Tim Hower is sitting opposite me in the studio. We have actually been chatting for a while and he's been looking at this little box and he thinks I'm teasing him, but I'm not teasing him. This is, he doesn't get all of them. This is, of course, the cupcake moment. Um, These are Gemma's cupcakes, crumbs and doilies, famously. Now, you get a choice. She makes them very beautiful. One is Guinness, chocolate Guinness cupcake, which I think is the the chocolate-based one. And the other one is, I think, a... Like a toffee uh, Sunday type. Oh God, it's a really hard thing. choice. You, you get, know. you get two. Oh, well, I'll, t- I'll try them both. But can I start yeah, with that and one? And they are in your bite, as you and can see. Guinness, yeah. Mini ones. Am I allowed the to Guinness. eat it on air? Yeah. Is this please is do, okay? Is this please is... do. So, Jim Howard, <laughs> actor, singer, dancer. I used to dance. Also, a lot. yeah. Also, the lead singer in in Mike and the Mechanics now. Yeah, I, so, I co-lead it with with Andrew yeah, Rochford. So, multifaceted career. Um, but you began in musical theatre in Canada, which was... Yes, oddly enough, um, it was a strange beginning because I think when I, when I grew up, as I grew up, my, my mother was a hairdresser and she, was, she wanted her sons to have some culture. So she used to take us to the Citadel Theatre there, which at that time was run by John Neville. Sir John Neville. Uh, they enticed him with oil money to come down there and run this theatre. And, and it had an experimental stage and a main stage and a thrust stage as well. They built that. So they could do proper, you know, Shakespearean stuff. But he used to drag his friends in to do bit parts. And and so, you know, as a child, I used to go see a lot of experimental theatre and the Rice Theatre because that was a lot cheaper to bring your kids to. And and then on the odd occasion, I get uh, I take it to the main stage. And, and later on, I worked as an usher there. But I remember seeing Maggie Smith. I remember seeing, um, like, there's some fantastic actors who'd went through this thing because Sir John Neville was the artistic director and said, well, come down here and do some plays. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I just grew up knowing that, so I never really thought of a career in theater. Although I grew up with a heavy respect for it, and when musicals came about, I always thought they were they were movie musicals. I didn't really see musicals till Mum brought us to England to, for a three week visit to visit some family and and all that. And then we'd booked a bunch of tickets in the West End to see shows, and I think I was eleven and was dragged to see Annie in the West End. And I did not want to go. I thought, what am I going to see this play about a bunch of girls? And I came out of the the, the musical singing all the songs, <laughs> bought, bought all the merchandise, and I used my own money to book an extra ticket before I left to come back and see it again. Then we went to go see Barnum. We saw Sound of Music, Evita. Wow. And, and of course, every cathedral and, you know, castle we could see. I don't think I've seen them. I've lived here almost 18 years now. <laughs> I haven't been back to half of them, but uh, but I will be because I've got kids as well, so... Um, but it was a real eye-opener as to the amazing storytelling quality of music and theatre mixed together with dance. And that kind of became a catalyst to open me up. And when I later on did drama in school as an extra credit, I had a teacher who had studied at the um, uh, Sanford Meisner, at, in, in, with Sanford Meisner in Utahagen in New York. He was a music major, drama minor, and he pulled me aside and said, I think you have some talent, why don't you... If you try to, you know, uh, float through my class, I'll fail you. But if you work hard, then we'll see what happens. So, and it was because of him that I got involved in drama and then realized that, oh, dancing and and singing were very linked, interlinked. I always sang in choirs, but I never really linked them together. Also, drama was drama, theater, you know, and um, 
music was music, choral music, solo music, and uh, leader song and things like that. Opera were a very different beast. But I guess going into drama first, I think was really important because then I saw later off branching into dance, I fell in love with a ballerina actually when I was 16. So I'd wanted to be a ballet dancer. And I eventually four years later became a soloist in a ballet company. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a strange story, but through all that came this storytelling thing that I think is the most important part is that there are actual live people telling a story that has the possibility of opening up your um, consciousness and your um, attachment to one another and also to being human. So that, that, that element is kind of something that's been, been trying to tie together, especially even with um, singing a rock band, it's storytelling and, and it's about that connection that's really important. And through music and through this storytelling, you get a chance to open and people's lives. And it's the live thing that you connect. really thrive on. The I think so. I mean, I, I love all that. When, when every discipline is done really well, you know, I find it, Life-changing. Okay, well, let's bring you yeah. to England. So we, brought, yeah. you came to England to do um, <laughs> Peggy Sue Got Married, yeah. and you've been here ever since, basically, more or less. Yeah, well, there was a strange time. I had moved to America, finished doing Les Mis, and I'd been tour on, the, on tour for two and a half years of Les Mis, and I loved every minute of it. It's a fantastic show to do. Moving to New York, I thought, you know, I've got this opportunity to come over to England. My grandfather's British. I've got, you know, right of abode. So I'll do it. I'll go for nine months and do a show in the West End, kind of tick that box. Anyway, I'd seen a lot of my friends do it, so I thought, this is my chance. And then New York went through that horrible terrorist attack, and it was in kind of ruins. And I thought, I just started a show here, just got into a new relationship here. And my partner at the time looked at each other and said, "What's what's this all about, you know? So I decided to stay in England, not go back to New York, and start a family. And then just try and, thought, I'll try and get a rock career going. I really want to be a rock singer. That took about eight years to kind of get get anybody to really notice. But, you know, and throughout that time, I went and did some musicals and some wonderful plays and... And, um, so you wanted to be a rock singer as well yeah, as they, I had you that wanted to do musical theatre and be a rock I, singer, which is Music was always a huge unusual. part of my life. And I think in some ways it was that thing I sought for in, it was a very private, but not a private moment. So it's something that's, that's very, you can take it to, your, you can listen to something in your bedroom and feel moved by that. Or you can present it or go witness it with other people like a choral thing or you can go see an orchestra or you can go see a band and it's a community kind of experience or you can be the one doing the gigs and so it's got a lot of different facets to it and I was really I thought what do I where do I fit in with all this stuff what do I enjoy doing the most well I enjoy writing I thought at that time writing songs and then performing them was my was what I loved the most I think I love a bit of everything now, you know. Mm. I do. I don't when know. you're as doing a bit of everything, don't just so... pigeonhole me into one thing, I'll try it. Um, but certainly at that time, I thought, yeah, music is what I want to do, and I want to create a band. And it was either New York or or London to be to try and get a record deal in, and, and I finally did it here. So, and then you know, after touring with my first band, didn't really sell enough albums, so <laughs> went way back to the studio, and and um, that's when Mike Rutherford walked in and just kind of things you know, went in that direction as opposed to maybe going back into musical theatre. And it's not that I think musical theatre is my second job or something, it's, or it's not It's not like that. It's just that I think when one wants to do something in a certain direction, you've got to put all your eggs in that basket until you're taken seriously. Because I think in some ways, there are a lot of people approaching these things 
and they say they want to do them, but they're not ready for the entire experience, which is, you know, being penniless, which is playing gigs with nobody showing up, which is creating songs that are being shelved, you know, which is getting all those nibbles and not, you know, I think you have to kind of in some ways earn your stripes. And I think by doing that, I was able to be taken seriously in both. So um, do you think it was good that your first band kind of wasn't such a success? It was a so when experience. you were in Mike and the Mechanics, you were ready for... Well, yes. I, I, th- yeah, I think you have to earn, you know, Jeff Beck and, and Rod Stewart, that Jeff Beck group, which is arguably very successful. But if you take a look at the rest of their careers, you know, Jeff Beck became Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart became the Faces and then onto his own thing. But, you know, people forget about the synthesis was that all those guys used to hang out with Long John Baldry and they were part of that little group that was making music at that time. They don't really talk about that unless you're an anorak, you know. People want to talk about, you know, uh, the big times, the big songs, and uh, or and when they were very famous. But I think it's that working your way up certainly earned me, I guess, a, a modicum of respect when I came to, to hang out with some of these rock and roll gods <laughs> and, and make music with them and and not be intimidated by that because I played in every other little dive they played in mm-hmm. across England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and, you know, uh, the continent. And I, I think that that did earn me a, um, an authentic, authentic, authenticity to it, you know, an air of that. Because, you know, I, if you took a look at what I'd done before, it was always theater and, and musical theater. And in some ways, there's a stigma that goes along with that, that it, maybe it's not proper drama, is it? Or it's not really dance, but it's it's a big musical. But to combine them all together at the highest level, you can see this. it's an amazing package with which to kind of tell a story and people really do come away from a musical feeling like they've been transported somewhere else and it's the two hours of joy. Well, we'll get to Phantom in just a mm. second, but just before Phantom you were doing, you were you were in chess. Yeah. And and people didn't leave, but you left one of the performances. I left halfway through. You did. Because Lawrence Connor, and he's a very, he's a wonderful guy, he's a great friend now. And we had, you know, through the course of the, uh, I'd showed up. I was ten days late for rehearsal anyway because I was finishing my tour with my band in America, and uh, came straight off the plane after three hours, right into rehearsal, eight hours of rehearsal, and they put me through my paces that day because they were. I think they kind of felt like, who's this guy? He's late for rehearsal. You know, he's this late. He's you know, we've got a huge musical to do, not much time to do it. You know, is he the right guy? And and I'm glad I came off of my rock and roll tour because it was a good day, an exhausting day, but you know, I was ready to sing all this really high screaming music. And, um, but I think he, you know, he saw on me, okay, he's up for the, he's up for, a, you know, a good hiding to get this role together. And we became good friends, but we were talking about, you know, they all knew my uh, wife is pregnant and heavily pregnant and expecting at any moment. And Lawrence said to me, you know, I've had a very similar experience with my first kid, you know, it wasn't, didn't go the right, right way. So you've got all these plans, but you know, make sure you, you put, you put, you know, uh, a little bit aside to just in case things go differently that you've got that in the, in the bag. And of course, you know, we're doing our first public performance of it. You know, we'd done the Wednesday invited dress and Thursday and, and I got a call from my mate who's looking after my wife at a hospital. She's a good friend of a, of ours, uh, my friend, our friend Helen. And she calls me and says, the baby's in distress. You know, you've got to leave. You've, you, and she said, she talked to Lawrence. And Lawrence looked at me and said, look, I had the same thing happen. You've got to go. And Lord Graydon and Michael Linnett were sitting there and they both said, look, you've got to go. This is your family. And I thought, said, thank you very much. I said, I really appreciate that. That because they they're very generous people. This is an enormous musical. I play a pivotal character in the show. <laughs> Was not easy to let that go. And I said to Lawrence, "What are you going to do, buddy? What are you, are you What are you going to do?" And he said, I, "I think I'm going to walk 
the show with the book, and I'll I'll kind of sing parts of it, and then I said, "The understudy's ready." Kellen, was he's a good friend of mine. Kellen, he's a really great kid and great voice, and 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 he was keen, you know. And uh, I remember being that kid years ago and thinking, uh, you know, I just, you know, I just wanted more information. So whenever Kellen and I talked, I was like, "This is what's happening now. We put this down. We're doing this." And I said, "Kellen's ready." you know, give him a chance. And Lawrence said, well, I've got to talk to him first and see how he is. And then I just whisked off, basically wrote a thing, a message on my um, uh, mirror for Kellen and just said, smash it, buddy. You're going to be great. You know, I knew he was going to go on because he's a very level-headed and very, he's just a nice, nice kid, you know, and you want to see him do well. And I went off to the, to have a baby. And then eight hours later, we had a, uh, my uh, first baby boy. I've got two lovely daughters, Dolly and Lily, who are 13 and 15 now. But, you know, to have a new baby, it was a great present during that, you know, little chess baby that was lovely. But it really tested my ability to show up under any amount of, you know, duress and do the job. And uh, I think I got a good sense of self from that. In the, not, not that I'm indestructible, but if you look after things, you, you can do the show. You know, okay. you have so, to, if you look after your life a little bit, you know. And now, you've, now you're in Phantom, which is... And that's a huge part. I mean, I it know you're a, a bit of a part of chess, part. but this is, you know, it's a, it's a big one. Did you always want to do it? Is it? Uh, I saw Cole Wilkinson play the role four times. I really thought he was fantastic in Toronto. And, uh, and I got to be good friends with Cole later on because we did Les Mis together for a while. And I just thought, I never thought it was really for me. Not that I didn't feel I had the storytelling chops, but I, I always felt like, they cast the guys who are a lot taller, or they they want this handsome leading man, and I'm kind of I'm kind of like the the boy next door who's a bit weird, you know. I'm not really I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm the phantom material, uh, but you know I did I do used to used to sing a lot of classical music, and I I just really revered it, but I never really felt it was a part that that they would see me for, and then I think through chess there was you know maybe somebody had come in and thought, well, yeah, well, let's give him a shot. So, and, and also, when you have three kids, there's no real choice. You can't just sit on your couch. If there's an audition, mm-hmm. you go. Whether it's for a dancing tulip in a commercial or whether it's, <laughs> you know, the Phantom, you go because the people who are involved in what I do know about the business is that they're not just involved in one project. And so if you go in for an audition and you're wrong for the audition, as long as you do a solid, good audition and show who you are, then somewhere a light or a bell will ding for other projects or whatever's down the way. So... It's important that if they're asking you to show up, that you show up if you can. And I thought, this is, you know, I've got three kids. There's no choice. You have to show up for everything. So I went in for Phantom and I was a bit exhausted. But, you know, I think, like like I said, if you look after things, you can negotiate your way through certain stuff. And and, um, they just kept asking me back, which is very, which I thought was very kind, considering that I I had at least three months where I had to be off. And in these types of shows, I know that the, Cameron and Andrew like to have a fully committed cast, at least a year contract with, you know, not a lot of time off because it costs a lot of money and there's a lot of people who have to be there when somebody else is off to make Mm -hmm. sure the show's maintained well. And if you're ever on the producing side of anything, you'll understand how hard that is to coordinate all those things while an existing show is going on. And a lot of actors don't really see that side of it because... You know, we're actors. You know, it's it's not about me. Then you make it about me. You know, it's that kind of moment. You know, you, we're self. Uh, we have to be very aware of ourselves, but that can kind of take over where you don't really notice everything else in the 
in the equation. Um, but, you know, I, they were able to see that I was very committed to it and they were able to work out something where I could play this role. And what, the three months that you're having off, is that when you're touring? I'm touring with, with my band. With the band yeah, again. yeah, yeah. And then we'll see what happens after that, you know. But we're, we're uh, you know, I, I but was But that's able... not till next year, is it? Is it next year? Or yeah, well, I tour next year with my band. Yeah, yes, February, okay. March, April. So we've got you in Phantom for a while. Till, the, till December 8th. Okay. You know, right. that is my, right now, my okay. contract. So we've so. got a while to go and see you. So what suits you more, being a front man in a band in a stadium tour or singing your solo as the Phantom? I love them the both. They're, they're completely different. You know, we, and it's I got, a different sort of fame that it oh my brings God, yeah, as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I like to hang out with Blondie this summer. It was good. We did a couple of gigs with Blondie and Phil Collins. And, and uh, you know, I got to hang out with uh, Dave Grohl years ago when I did Isle of Wight. And, you know, it's nice to hang out with these people and go, oh, my God, you guys are really cool. And, or like uh, Roger Taylor and all these, or Rufus's son, you know, Place of the Darkness. I mean, uh, it's a nice group. And I'm glad I get to be included in that that group of rock singers that they go oh yeah tim does his thing really well you know and and we all say hi to each other when we when we pass but there's something about being in a company with a bunch of um you know actors and actresses and uh who are you know they all show up from their various bits and they shake it off at the door and they get into their stuff and, and it's something totally different and i really enjoy that i find it almost more pressure to be doing something like this because it is so exact you can't make too much of a. Uh, you can't go. Oh, I just want. I'll just do it this way now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I feel like getting on top of the drum riser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you can't get on top of the drum riser because there's a spot guy <laughs> looking at you, going, "You have to be over here." And if you do that, then your other fellow actors, it kind of puts a bit too much mystery in the air. You know, I like that the audience is the mystery for me, not the show. <laughs> now you've talked about your daughters. Your yeah. son is very young. Yeah. But would you encourage your daughters to go into? the same profession if their heart's in it yeah i would you know there's no you can't tell somebody not to do anything that's that's an immediate kind of open door to do it so what <laughs> have you got a dream part apart from phantom which is pretty much a lot of people's dream part is there another sort of major role like that that you're yearning to play but i yearn to play well, I, I, you know i just i love what i do at the moment you know i would love to say that i've got foresight or that there's you know there's longevity those are two things i don't you know they keep coming up as reoccurring themes slightly but whether i'm actually in control of that or not i don't think i am uh i tend not to do to go oh yeah i'd love to play jean valjean i'd love to play you know these things they either follow my plate or they don't like years ago i was up for um chess that they were going to be doing at the albert hall and it was the big you know they're i'm not sure whether it was a 10th anniversary but they were you know that Adina Menzel was in it, and I just come back from doing Rent on Broadway, which I loved. It was a great show and a lovely group of people to, to hang out with for three years. That there's a love like the Phantom family, the Rent family is just a gorgeous bunch of people. And I did four auditions for the for to play the American in it, and then they said to me, you know, do you all, is your voice going to hold up? Are you, do you say I said I sing rock for a living? You know, I can do this. You know, this you know. What did you just finish doing? I said, well, I just finished doing Rent on Broadway and I just got replaced by Adam Pascal, who actually just did a production of Chess in America. They called Adam immediately. They offered him the role. <laughs> and so I, I basically lost that role. And so I kind of went, whoops. And Adam called me. He's like, buddy, I'm coming to, you know, to uh, England. I was like, oh. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine. And I was like, you know what? You're going to be amazing as the American in the show. 
and it wasn't wasn't supposed to happen. But then years later, when I kind of gave up on it, it happened again and I got the role. So, you know, whether it's in my cards or not, I really, really enjoy doing what I'm doing now. And when it finishes, then I'll move to the next thing. And, and hopefully that will be something that I can, you know, add to that as well uh, and just show up for. You know, I think I'm a fan of showing up for things. If you don't show up, you can't win the race, no matter what you're, you know. If, and being a dad, you know, you don't have a lot of time to, you, I do moan. I do absolutely moan. You talk to my wife, <laughs> talk to my friends. But when you show up, there's that respite you get from being part of a company and doing that play where you get to check out for two hours and be somebody else. And I'm really enjoying playing the Phantom right now. Like I said, they're a great company, great to be part of. And it's a great two and a half hours where I get to inhabit something that's not really me, but has elements of me and to find out where I can show up to make that a human story mm. and, you know, and, and, and share that. So, yeah, I mean, it's been going 33 years, so I don't have to do much. Well, it sounds <laughs> like we should all go and revisit because we've got new sound system, new lighting system. And You're in it until cast. December, the, December the 8th, did you December say? December 8th, yes. December the 8th. So, uh, right, everybody, get get down to, to the... Um, opposite the Haymarket? What's it called? It's Phantom called... Theatre uh, Theater Royal... Not Theatre Royal... Her Majesty's. Her Majesty's. Sorry, right, Her Majesty's. Well, How can I forget right, that? Right, really, get down to Her Majesty's Theatre. Um, <laughs> Phantom, and get there before December the 8th so you can see Tim. was the musicals and theatre podcast and if you enjoyed that then why not subscribe it's absolutely free to our channel on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts you can also hear me every weekend morning from six till ten on mellow magic 